Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Alyssa Sweetman, and you're listening to Influencer Fundraising, the podcast, a podcast for the curious nonprofit professional who wants to take their digital fundraising strategy to the next level. Hi, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to our prof- our charity professionals panel with uh, the staff from Tiltify, they're the community team. I'm gonna let all of them introduce themselves. We'll start with Ashley, go bride, and then we'll have Daniel go last, because um, I'd like him to share like the history that he's seen of Tiltify at the company. So go ahead and go. All right, well, hi everyone, my name's Ashley. I'm a charity, I'm charity success manager with Tiltify, and I'm happy to be here. My name is Brian Montgomery. I'm a charity success manager as well at, at Tiltify, and I've been a part of the company for about a year, same as Ashley, and uh, been a part of Twitch world and fundraising on Twitch for about five years. So, Hi, uh, my name is Daniel I. Casper-Bong. I am the community manager for Tiltify and community lead currently, uh, and I've been with the company since 2016. Uh, it's been quite a crazy ride uh, thus far. I mean, I remember us showing up at TwitchCon in 2015. No one really knew who we were or what we did, except that we worked with charities. Uh, and then six months after that, they decided to hire some front-facing staff uh, in order to kind of represent the company. Uh, that ended up being me. And uh, ever since then, four years later, uh, we've been able to grow. Uh, I was the very first community uh, member alongside Josh Santa Belkin. And you know, four years later, we've got Ashley and Brian joining us, uh, streamer, former streamer, uh, as well as Draskia, who has joined us as well. And uh, we've been able to really develop the community side to have really nice representation as well as the back end. We've got a bunch of developers on our team now, and uh, we're constantly developing the platform to make it better for fundraisers. Awesome. Thanks so much for that. Daniel, can you tell me what is your favorite feature that Tiltify has developed that they didn't have when you started? Oh, when they <laughs> our favorite feature that they didn't? Oh, my goodness. Um uh geez that's the donation flow uh i mean i do like the donation flow um the donation flow is very ease of access for a lot of folks um i would also like to point out like our dashboard our actual campaign dashboard that we've actually developed over the years just because when it was first created it was definitely usable but it wasn't exactly intuitive uh it wasn't welcoming to newer users that were using the platform uh you kind of if you were new to the internet um Well, if you're new to the internet, you're going to have troubles anyways. But uh, if you were new to trying to create a Tiltify campaign back in 2016, it was fairly difficult. Uh, You had to navigate through everything. I had to look through numerous uh, resources in order to kind of understand how the platform worked. Uh, It took me about a year to actually get acclimated to the platform to understand it. Uh, Whereas now I, I see new users that are coming in for the very first time and people that I was working with even last week. And uh, they were able to figure it out, create an account, and uh, get to fundraising within, you know, 15, 20 minutes even. Um, That's just uh, the intuitiveness of our campaign dashboard, I feel. Awesome. Yeah, I've been using Tiltify since 2015, and the changes to the dashboard are are pretty nice. Actually, all of y'all's most recent updates for, for the incentives and stuff. Um, so kind of diving into some of the work that y'all do as charity success managers, um, Brian first, then Ashley, kind of talk about like what it is the most frequently asked question that you get and the biggest hesitation. Uh, well, I think the biggest, the, the most frequently asked question I get 
is very easily, I can't log in, what's the issue? We have two login portals, uh, one for charities, one for fundraisers. That seems to be the biggest, you know, if you don't go to the right website, you can't log in. Uh, that is a, just a common misstep. Everyone, if, if anyone listening has made that mistake, do not feel alone. That happens to everyone. Um, and then the biggest hang up a lot of people have um, is is whether or not they can control the streamer's content, right? If, if it, Are they going to play a violent video game? Are they going to do something I don't approve of? Well, on the Tiltify side of things, you have the ability as the ch charity to cancel any fundraiser you want that's in our terms of service and happy to say it's never been used. Um, and, and I think our CEO actually put this the best way uh, for people is, would, well, would you want Ryan Reynolds to raise money for you? Well, he's killed a million people in Deadpool. You know, why, why wouldn't you, you know, because everyone wants Ryan Reynolds. He's great. So I, I think those are the, the, the two best answers I can give for those questions. So for me on my end, uh, it was kind of the same one that um, Brian brought up. Um, but another big one is all the time is um, how do I get influencers? How do I get um, streamers? How do we how do we let people know we're out there? And my my biggest answer is you would actually be surprised how many people are already within your network that know about it. Do an outreach, send out a email to everybody in your company. Hey, we're getting involved into the live streaming space. We're getting involved into Twitch. Is there anybody in the company that is familiar with this? Uh, you'll be surprised how many people actually know about it. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much... What was the second question, Allie? Biggest, uh, biggest hesitation or what what stops nonprofits from going forward? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Monty, again, said another really great one. He, Our minds are always in sync, so he kind of picked my mind on both of those. But I think the, the other biggest he hesitation is from people who are part of the older side of fundraising and the, and the development, um, they don't look at the space as a viable space, um, but it's actually interesting because um, um, during this pandemic, a lot of those mindsets have suddenly changed. Um, so it's actually really awesome to see people kind of finally letting that barrier down and allowing this kind of space to finally um, succeed. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um... Jasper, what do you think, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this one, we'll come back to that one. Jasper, um, what do you think has been the most exciting way that you've seen a nonprofit use it in connection with influencers, like a campaign or a good example that you've seen over the years? Oh my goodness, all the tough questions, Allie. Um... I mean, we've seen our platform used in so many different ways, and it, it's really the engagement tools that people take full advantage of that always impresses me. Um, there's always something new that we see. Um, we're starting to see celebrity activations more and more now, especially with this pandemic that's going on. Uh, and you know, for many of them, it's just like, oh, well, we're famous, so we'll just sit here and, and the money will roll in. And it's like, yeah, that's great, but you're also famous, so if you were to engage with the community, what would that say about it? And if we go back to last year where we had Brendan Yuri from Panic at the Disco taking part, uh, there's just so many great uses of our incentives just to like just to get people involved. And sure, he had memorabilia from previous music videos and whatnot that he could offer as incentives and rewards to them. Um, but it was just the general interaction. And I think that's that's the biggest thing, especially when we're seeing bigger influencers, celebrities, athletes, et cetera, getting involved. It's definitely like we can see LeBron James dunk a basketball as many times as we want. We can see that on whatever platform that we want. 
Um, but will we ever see him sing? Will we ever see him dance? Will we ever see him take a cream pie to the face? Probably not. So it's all about creating these unique opportunities uh, that uh, as a general statement uh, that allows people to just get really entertained, really hype and uh, really buy into whatever that they are doing. Because if you're willing to embarrass yourself for charity, uh, that must mean you really care, you're really passionate about it, and uh, and kind of go from there. So as a generic answer, uh, I've just seen a lot of amazing things on this platform, but it's definitely the very unique ways that people have used our incentives and our uh, different donation tools. What has been y'all's favorite celebrity incentive? We'll go uh, Ashley, Daniel, Brian. Favorite celebrity incentive. Um, we did a fundraiser last year with Amelia Clark, um, and we had some polls that were open for um, them to sing, and she did a collaboration with Jacksepticeye. And um, seeing her and Jack get down to Milan's Let's Get Down to Business was was probably one of my favorite things to see. And I got to see it happen in person. So I think that, that was probably one of my favorite incentives. Um, but they also had so many other great things in there. Um, they utilize our reward system to do things like um, give away signed, memor signed memorabilia. There was um, autographed uh, book sets, pop vinyl figures, you, you name it. There's there's so many go so much going on in that campaign. Uh, my favorite had to go back to Red Nose Day uh, just because we got to sync up with amazing celebrities like Jack Black and Retta. Uh, and Stephen Colbert. And that was probably my favorite, the D&D one shot that Stephen Colbert did with Matthew Mercer. Uh, we were able to make that connection kind of happen there. And uh, he got to do a 30 minute adventure. Um, but thanks to the magic of internet and editing and whatnot, we made it seem a little bit longer, uh, where uh, he got to go on an adventure and uh, the donors actually got to choose the adventure. So they got to choose the um, the legendary weapon he was searching for in his adventure. They got to choose his companion, which ended up being a bee. Uh, <laughs> it was it was super adorable, and it was definitely, again, a way to see uh, a celebrity in a different light because Stephen Colbert, we've always known that he's a great talker, a great influencer, um, a great politician in a sense. Um, but the way that he just lit up when he was listening to the story that Matthew was telling him, like that was a side of Colbert I've never seen in my entire life. Uh, I don't follow him super extensively, but you know, I've saw I, I've seen him through the Design Show as well as uh, the Colbert Report, and it's just it's a different dynamic that we saw from him and uh it was just a great experience overall and i still watch it i watch it like every week i i would definitely I, daniel stole my answer there I, I love stephen colbert and i've i've only seen him light up like that when he had rush on the colbert report which was you know my right. favorite band so i lit up like that for that uh but to give another answer when, when i actually i first got hired um we we were doing a campaign with one of the detroit red wings a hockey player and, you know, my father grew up in Detroit and, and this guy, uh, his name's Tyler Bertuzzi. He's, uh, he's actually like their young star. He was their MVP this year. He's like, you know, he's the, the future of the franchise. And he, he set up with the reward system. If you donated $250 or, or maybe it was 350, I think it was 250 though, that you would get a signed Jersey from him. And I was like, I, I have to do this. I have to get, you know, that my dad's, you know, raised me to be a Red Wings fan. I'm no longer a Red Wings fan. Sorry, Dad. But, you know, it, it was one of those things that uh, it, it was like, that's the price you pay for a jersey anyway. And it, and it was just such a cool way. And it was just him sitting there on Twitch playing Fortnite, selling jerseys, and just enjoying his time on the road. It was a really cool thing to see.
So fun fact, Rush was my first concert when I was a teenager. Oh, really? oh, that's... And I can say, looking back, I probably shouldn't have been there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say that I see so many incentives. It's hard for me to remember all of the other incentives people have done. My favorite slash least favorite incentive was I was at an event for an event called Calithon. And they were fundraising for direct relief. And they came up to me, there's like 10 minutes left in the show and they wanted to get like a couple thousand more donations. And they were like, if we hit this number, can we pie you in the face? And I was like, okay. And my friend who's also a Twitch partner, Tammy underscore black media was like, can I get the pie? Can I pie you in the face? I've never pied anyone in the face. So she, co she runs and gets a pie and she comes back with an actual pie, not whipped cream. <laughs> A legitimate yeah. pie. Well, hopefully it wasn't baked too long. Hopefully it was a soft crust. It was a strawberry cream. So there's strawberry chunks oh, no. and cream. And we're standing there and there's this great clip. If you type in like Tammy Alley pie or something on Twitter, you'll find the clip. Um, and I'm talking when she hits me in the face. And she slides it upward. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, no. Proper pie etiquette because otherwise <laughs> oh, no. it goes up your nose. You can't breathe. It's just awful. You make this awful coughing. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah. So that one. And then um, Grand Poop Bear does an event with the Mario Maker community also for direct relief. And they did this thing with those like throwaway chef hats, like the fast food chef hats. And I was reading donations and they did an incentive for every ten dollars you could write a message on a hat and they would have to wear it on the top of their head i could not read donations or write them fast enough for them to stack them on their head and it <laughs> it was really cool and it was they did it for like a very short period of time and then it was hilarious because they also got to pick which person in the room wore it so that was really great um so let's go a little more towards you know the charity side here on this why tiltify why is Tiltify um, the platform that gives charity success in influencer fundraising, Brian? Uh, it's it's the engagement features because we're we're talking about uh, a generation of people who are sharing everything about themselves on social media. We're talking food, pets, you know, everything, and and then they get to fundraising and. In traditional senses, they're basically told to just send out a link, and and there's no engagement in that. When when usually uh, for for you know their day to day life, not only can they send a link, they can send a gift, they can send a video, they can you know send their friends uh, something, you know a meme, anything like that. So just being able to engage uh, really speaks out to people. The more they get ingrained with technology and social media, the more they expect to be able to use it in every aspect of their life and. Uh, I think our team has done a fantastic job of helping integrate as many of these different platforms as we can that people use in their everyday life into their fundraising. Casper, uh, Daniel. <laughs> See, that happens with everyone. That happens with everyone. Michael will introduce me in a call with a brand new charity as Daniel, and then he'll call me Casper five seconds later. Um, that's just the internet personality side. That's awful. Uh, I hey. almost, almost made it without calling anyone by their, by their, uh, wizard name. Almost, almost. You almost made it. Um, but it, I, I mean, we talk about this all the time and it's our current slogan, which is Tiltify is built for fundraisers. And I mean, if you look at our community team, that's already very obvious because of the five of us, 
uh, between the three of us here, as well as uh, Drasky, our social lead, as well as uh, Josh Belkin, who uh, does uh, consulting as well as tech stuff. Um, he's our wizard. He's actually our wizard. But um, between the five uh, of us, we're either former content creators, current content creators, or we manage content creators. Uh, so while Tiltify was built for content creators first in kind of the gamer uh, space and Twitch, uh, it's it's been able to evolve for DIY and be able to be versatile for everyone to use. Um, but all of those tools, all of those engagement features that Brian was talking about, uh, it goes through us. We test it nonstop. We're still testing things even to this day while we're going through all of these meetings uh, and trying to onboard all these charities right now in this pandemic. Uh, we're still testing features. We're still testing different ways that people can pay. We're still uh, developing things like targets that just recently came out about a year ago now. Um, and we're just trying to make uh, we're trying to make the platform for fundraisers because we have them in mind and we want to make sure that they are best uh, equipped in order to uh, fundraise. Ashley, you're looking at a very socially conscious generation. This is one of the first generations that was really brought up with the internet and with mobile devices. And these are people who are actively wanting to get active, be activists, be social and fundraise. Um, I think also too, one thing to kind of keep in mind is this is the first, genera first generation that is aware of issues that are going on internationally. Um, Daniel, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but during the Australian bushfires in the first three weeks, we saw what, what, like $2.2 million fundraised? Uh, yeah, the reported amount was over $2 million. Uh, I think it's closer to about 2.2 uh, in those first couple weeks that it was available on Tiltify as well as other platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that just goes to show because um, we, 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 we catered to charities from all, all over the globe. And these were all people from all over that were at, like, getting active, wanting to be active for a global issue. Um, and that's one thing that I think that people are starting to realize that a lot of things such like the bushfires in Australia or the pandemic that's currently go on, going on, it was it's never just a fully regional issue. It's a global issue and people are now more socially aware of it and they're wanting to be active. So that I think that's why Tiltify is you have this generation of young people um, who are online, who are aware, who are um, being very active and understanding what's going on in the in the world in a much more deeper deeper way because now they have access to resources they have access to look things up themselves instead of just turning on their 6 p.m you know um nighttime news and then that's all they know so i, I say that's why tiltify yeah i definitely i have to agree with that the internet's fast moving they want to be able to do cool things um they want to have as much customization as possible and um, I'd say that's, from my perspective, why I started using Tiltify before I got into this space. Um, and let's, let's talk about some examples where nonprofits have really done well. Um, an example I like to use is Wounded Warrior Project only came into this space in the last 18 months. And in that 18 months, they launched the program all at once. They didn't create a new Twitter. They act, treated it like all of their other programs. You can find it on their website. Um, and everyone loves working with them, even though that they, you know, the people is particularly in the US when a charity has a debacle, they never forget. So even though there was a debacle, you know, five, six, seven years ago, they've still been able to do really well in this space. So um, Ashley, uh, any examples of you think of some nonprofits that have been doing really well? 
Yeah, one one nonprofit that jumps out to me right now is the Humane Society of the United States and Humane Society International. Um, they really jumped right into the space. They're hitting the ground running. Um, you know, for an much, it's an older, well-established organization in the United States that when you look at them as a whole, they do a lot of advocacy. They do a lot of the legal footing when it comes to advocating for um, animals and animals being treated right, ending trophy hunting, so on and so forth. So a lot of times it can be very hard to word kind of what they do and to encourage people to donate, but they did a really great job just jumping right on in, creating a Discord right before TwitchCon, having 450 people join that Discord within two days, which is phenomenal and they're staying active they're always wanting to do well their first event that they had they had over um, twenty thousand dollars raised um so they they are doing really well once the um australian bushfires kind of started happening they reached out to us and they said hey you know even though humane society united states isn't doing anything our partners humane society international are let's get them on and then they went in and they created fundraisers for um for the bushfires where we got to see um, a good amount kind of come in as well with, with right there, but they're always active. They're always looking to doing the next the next great big thing. um and and um, and like I think just yesterday, they actually did in their discord a um a work from home pet contest where now they're going to be sharing uh, pictures of people's pets working from home onto the actual humane society um, uh, Twitter account. So kind of like what what Ali said, echoing that is they're not making their program separate. It's being a full rounded, um, full rounded platform with what they're doing. Cool, uh, Daniel. Then Brian. Oh, I'm gonna take the the low hanging fruit. Even though Brian's wearing the shirt, uh, Saint Jude is one no, of not Saint Jude. Oh, uh, come no, on, no Saint Jude. They've come been around on. for five years. Yeah, no. okay. But this is this no. is what I tell everybody about Saint Jude and Extra Life. They both hit lightning. Like it was a once in a time, like blow up as quick as they did. Twitch was still really new. The community was new. There weren't charities looking at this space. Extra Life and St. Jude helped validate this space. So none of those. I want, I want one that's come on in the last 18 months. How about oh, that? Oh my goodness, the last 18 months. Um, Geez, uh, I guess Best Friends Animal Society does fall into that as well, just because they've been able to activate so effectively. Um, and it's simply because it, for them, it's a little bit of an advantage because so many people have pets uh so being able to relate to that or being able to uh come to twitchcon and be like we're all, we're all about animal shelters and going no kill uh around the united states in the next five years and you know that just already speaks to me i've had a i've had a cat for five years but i know for dogs in particular that could really hit home for them uh where they've been able to activate they've been able to generate numerous events they did really well at twitchcon and now uh, because of the relationships that they built at TwitchCon, they've actually had numerous fundraisers since uh, with these different individual fundraisers uh, and influencers in order to really push their program uh, forward. Uh, they've been able to expand to other platforms as well. And just uh, they've seen uh, a really solid amount of success. Uh, it wasn't it. There's a couple things here and there where I wish they would do slightly differently. But other than that, like they've they've been able to really make a name for themselves in this space. I think for me, giving the parameters that you just gave, because uh, I, I would I would say I have a really good story about um, uh, Zach from St. Jude and how he got me involved in all of this. Like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So props props to him for sure, because it was just a, a you know a, a 
conversation that happened in a bar at an event that that turned me down this path towards charity um so so props to saint jude and 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 all the organizations that have been brought up so far but for me last year uh you know an organization i worked with that really stood out was trans lifeline because they came in um you know a little anxious about the space uh didn't know what to expect and then they really found a home for themselves and 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 gave a space to people who uh, who needed it and and were at TwitchCon they ha- and their booth was always populated. People were always there and it was it was just a pleasure to work with them uh, the whole time and they did they did fantastic things for their community to the point where I think they've expanded their team as well. Nice. Um, so if you could only impart the single most biggest piece of wisdom to nonprofits getting in this space, um, what would it be? And I'll give you a moment to think on it and I'll tell you mine so you don't take it. Uh, Mine is I like to tell people they may play games and they may be gamers, but when you reference them, they're content creators, they're business owners. I've started, I've coined the term, I looked it up to make sure no one else is using it anywhere, but I've kind of coined the term influencer fundraising. And that's the way you're kind of looking at it, because even though we're talking about Twitch specifically here, um, it could really be applied to any platform where there's influencers that interact with their fans. So y'all can go in the order you kind of think of them, your biggest piece of wisdom. I knew someone was going to take it, Brian. That's why I said it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, I mean, I guess it's a low hanging fruit, right? Um, yeah. For me, it would be uh, kind of along the same lines is to not... Um, to not separate these people from your main source of people, right? Because a, a lot of a lot of the times, what happens is we're going to start a gaming initiative, and then so now you've you've not only have you othered the people you're targeting to do the fundraising, but you've othered everyone else, right? So here are the gamers, and here's everyone else. You guys can't be in the same group. Um, and, and another another bit would be. Um, if you're talking about uh, a, an influencer who is a legitimate celebrity, like someone who is capable of, you know, pulling in tens of thousands of people to to watch a fundraiser, um, treat them like you would a celebrity. And, and it's one of those things that there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect, where as no one would just give a call to Dwayne Johnson and be like, hey, Rock, I, I need you to come down and do this fundraiser. Uh, it's just a run walk at a local charity. Uh, it'd be great if you could just be there. Um, but when it comes to some of these literal celebrity influencers, people think, well, I, I, I can get a hold of that guy. Um, no, I mean, the reality is at this point, a lot of these people have managers and there's so many steps to go through just to get an initial meeting. So, um, you know, cast a wide net and be inclusive to everyone because you don't know, you know, how many of these gamers are already a part of your mission. And if you separate them, you know, for me growing up, gamer is a term I don't want to hear because it was my mother yelling at me. So it was one of those things that uh, just try to be inclusive and and don't separate this group from everyone else because they are just like everyone else. Yeah, for sure. Uh, For me, I would say uh, be realistic in your expectations because uh, like Ali said, uh, you've got St. Jude and Extra Life and uh, they hit like, they struck gold, they hit lightning, they got struck by lightning like 17 different times, yeah. Um, but realistically, 
Uh, number one, they had to build up over time. I mean, it took St. Jude, uh, I think, three or four years before they were able to surpass one million during their prize season. And now they're hitting almost two million last year, uh, including GCX uh, and Guardian Con. Uh, they were able to surpass four, five, six million this year uh, because of Lupo as well. So, you know, they struck lightning, but it took time to actually build their programs up. So you can't come into the space and be like, six months from now, I want to raise $500,000. It's like, well, good luck. Uh, because we can give you all the advice and all the tips and we can help you build tools like Discord and whatnot. Sure, but the chance of that still happening after all that is very low. So keeping your expectations grounded and just uh, having boots on the ground, but being realistic with that. Uh, with St. Jude, they had Zachary Witten, of course, that uh, kind of fronted it all. Uh, when he started the Play Live program seven years ago now, um, the entire company didn't even really know what streaming was. And uh, he was like, well, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we looking into the space? And he took a massive risk. He went from one job position at the company to a completely other one where he was the only employee kind of looking at it. And now he's got a gigantic team behind him because he's able to um, just put in the footwork, put in the groundwork. And, um, you know, seven years later, he's now got a multi-million dollar um, uh, program. For me, my biggest advice would be don't give up. Just because your first activation doesn't work, your second activation doesn't work, your third activation doesn't work, doesn't mean that the platform doesn't work. Uh, my biggest example that I would actually have to say would probably no, be um, No Kid Hungry. Um, they've been kind of part of the space for uh, well over a year and they've kind of struggled to like hit the ground running, but they didn't give up. They're constantly emailing me, hey, we we, prob we can probably get this celebrity. Do you think the celebrity would be, would be good in this space? So on and so forth. So they are always working internally. Shout out to Carla. Um, for <laughs> Always working internally on trying to find something that can work. Um, you know, always emailing, always always trying to keep the, 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 like the ball rolling and um, and it would you would be actually quite surprised how small a simple suggestion can actually um, uh, shift gears. I know that they tried to do a Giving Tuesday event and in which um, there was about maybe six grand that was raised. Um, and I kind of remember hearing from No Kid Hungry that they were kind of like a little um, discouraged because they thought they were going to raise more. Um, and then that's when we discovered that they hadn't linked to PayPal yet, which is actually our number one. Um, way of people giving on our platform. So once we let them know that they need to connect to PayPal, once they did, now we're seeing their COVID nineteen crisis up in the twenty grand right now. So it's 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 just don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep doing what you can. Um, you know that's what Brian and I are here for. You can reach out to us, or we can talk to you, give you suggestions, give you a little some some advice about how things can help you out. Um, I know one of the things, kind of like echoing off of Casper is making um, a program, doing something where you're connecting with the influencers um, on a deeper level. And um, they just recently did that where they invited a few people out, including myself to San Francisco to go um, join in on one of the breakfast in the classroom initiatives. Um, and it really helped kind of hammer the reasoning home, why they do what they do. And, um, and now, especially during this crisis, it means even more how important it is that children are getting meals and how now children aren't getting meals because they're not in school. So their messages are being hear, um, heard loud and clear now more than ever. And um, they're finally starting to see that big stone that they've been pushing up the hill that entire time finally take off. So um, that would be my biggest advice is don't give up, keep pushing just because it's not working now doesn't mean it's not going to work later. 
Yeah, and to kind of add to that, um, I'd like to say that the other thing too I like to tell people is that um, don't be a faceless organization. I think um, authenticity is probably the most important toolkit that you have and authenticity costs zero dollars, which is the best part. Um, a really great example is that JDRF really started coming into this space um, at the last GDC that we had and they spent all this time really, really talking um, with um, Drew Schroeder and really getting his insights. And for those of you that don't know, Drew Schroeder is my boss. And he, you know, really helped guide them. And then recently I did a mentorship program where I mentored um, particularly a group of um, people of color to get into the charity live streaming space because there's the charities are charity space is already extremely white. So, um, and they actually hired someone from that to like be the face of their organization and um, creating a Twitch page and going in and saying, hello, JDRF. And there's a bunch of people that work at JDRF. Who's on the JDRF account? Is this an official visit? Are they, can I meme with them? You know, being able to connect with them as a, as a person and through authenticity is one of the biggest, biggest things. Do y'all have anything y'all want to add to that? No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, having a, a face of the community I, I, and Casper just recently told the story, but one of the, one of the you know big things I remember was going to St. Jude uh, two years ago and, um, as you know, the kind of the event, you know, they invited a bunch of influencers out, like 200 people, or maybe it was like 180, something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but um, you know, there was this big event, biggest they've ever done. Everyone's there at the hospital. It, you know, it was an amazing experience being able to to see everything and to see what the fundraising was doing. And I was actually there as a as a fundraiser. I wasn't. I I hadn't started at Tiltify yet. And and towards uh, the end of the event, um, you know, Zach is dead. I mean, just tired, exhausted. This is like months and months of work for him. Um, and he says goodbye to everyone and gets ready to leave. And a literal line just starts forming. And, and this line went, um, you know, 50 people deep of people who just wanted to have a second to thank Zach for what he had done for them. Uh, and I was in that line myself. So it, it's one of those things that if you have a face of the community, you have someone for, for people to, to get behind. And, and if that person can connect with people and, and in an emotional way, uh, it's going to do a lot for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just go through some frequently asked questions that I get and um, any of y'all can answer and add on as, as you'd like here. Do you have to pay influencers to be successful? You, you shouldn't. Uh, as a charity, no. you shouldn't. Um, it be, like, why would you pay money to get money? Um, and, and it's one of those things that we've talked about is if you set the standard of, hey, if you guys fundraise for this charity, they will pay you. Um, well, that is a standard. You you have now set it in, in a way that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. I come from a, a marketing background as well. I've launched a couple of video games and I've had instances where I'm launching a game and I pay a couple of influencers because I have budget issues. But then every other influencer who, who is interested in that game doesn't want to play it because they're not getting paid as well. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's hard, it, it, it's hard to set that sort of standard, especially in the charity space, because um, it, it's, it's hard to justify it. It really is. Um, on that note, there are one or two instances where I would say you would pay somebody. Um, and you can add on if the, the two examples I have, are you asking them to do something that's not on their channel? 
And are you asking them to leave their house to do something somewhere else? Um, those are the kind of the two instances where I say you should pay, pay for someone. If you're just asking someone to fundraise for you um, and they're interested in, you know, let them do it from the goodness of their heart, their community is going to appreciate that more. But if you're asking them to do something out of the norm, leave their house or do something on a different channel um, that will impact their brand or their time on their channel. I, I would agree with that. That I mean, that's a different circumstance. But yeah, that, that's that's a very fair point. Cool. What are some things that should be provided to influencers so they can be successful? Like what are some of the best tools and assets that they could have on hand to, to be successful? I think I can chime in on this one. Um, there's quite a few things that charities can provide to influencers to help them be successful is you want to provide first and foremost impact points, how a dollar can help, how $10 can help, how $20 can help. Um, those things can actually be very influential to a fundraiser, as well as a lot of times you see fundraisers actually building their um, features such as rewards, milestones around those impact points that people make. Uh, secondly, would be a branded kit, letting people um, get access to your brand assets, um, P&G files, um, um, like the whole nine yards, G give them your brand guidelines. Because um, a lot of times this is actually not really known very well. Um, people will actually go and they'll modify um, logo assets to kind of fit into their stream. They'll, they'll change coloring and stuff like that. And we know you guys don't want influencers to go in and, and change things. Um, if you are cool with that, let them know. But, you know, giving them your brand, your brand guidelines can really kind of help not only um, providing them with the assets, keeping in line with what your organization wants, but also allows them to, um, to to kind of learn your mission a little bit more and learn why that logo is important because a lot of times in brand assets it has a history of the logo and why things are important um and then third and foremost would be um overlay assets so building out some assets building out um video overlays um i know uh, saint jude has done a great job with this hsus has done a great job with this make a wish has done a great job with this uh, providing full-on overlay assets as well as um, videos um, impact videos um, videos of families, children, so on and so forth, telling their story about the about um, the charity. And as an influencer, those those influencers are able then able to use those assets, like those videos and and stories, as kind of like a um, a midpoint. So anytime they have to take a break, go to the bathroom, go get water, and stuff like that, instead of having it be dead air, they now have these videos playing. That's that's um, continually making the point, continually reminding people why they're why they're live streaming. And now they have now once they get back to their, their desk that there's no more dead air and there's more um, enthusiasm when it comes to actually continue to fundraising. So those would be the things that I would say charities should be providing to um, influencers and fundraisers. Yeah, the the fourth thing that I want to add that uh, add to that is a little bit newer, but definitely opening up uh, communication channels um, because email is great. Um, but being able to open further than that is going to be much more helpful and accessible. Again, we're dealing with influencers in particular that uh, need information in the next four minutes. <laughs> and if they don't get it, uh, it, it's a nightmare and they start having a temper. Okay, that's a lie. But um, just being able to open up the communication channels so that they can reach you is extremely important. And the best way to do that right now is actually developing a Discord server. Um, being able to have a Discord server so that they can ping you whenever they need to. Yes, you're going to then get pings at 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. and it's awful, but uh, I would rather have those communication channels open than completely closed off and separated just to email because uh, sometimes things happen within 12 hours, within 24 hours, and email might not suffice anymore for that.
Can you set some expectations around owning a Discord server? Um, both you um, and Ashley have brought it up, but I think it's important to kind of set some expectations about how Discord works, the number of servers you can be in, and what kind of um, interactivity within your Discord that nonprofits can expect. I think I'll I leave think that one for Ashley in particular, but Brian? I was going to say, I think it's kind of hard to, to set an expectation because it, it it fully depends on how you first engage, right? So if you already have a huge list of people who, who are in this space, who are, who are you know, fundraising for you and engaging with you, you can expect a, a chunk of them will join, right? Uh, and Ashley set up with uh, HSUS last year, a really great little campaign that they did at TwitchCon, uh, where if you signed up to join their Discord, you got a little pin. Right, something something small, uh, seemingly frivolous, but there was a collector's pin, so you had to keep coming back. Um, so, so something like that uh, is a good way to like spark the interest and keep it going. If you just create a Discord and you don't actually put it out there, uh, you should set the expectation that you're not going to have anyone join because you have to actively go out and present it to people and say, hey, this is a way for you to talk to us. You can get our brand guidelines. You can get these little commercial videos and, and things to play when you when you walk away from the screen. Um, it, it is a, a fantastic tool for, for communicating with your fundraisers, but you have to actually uh, use it. Just creating it isn't enough. So I would add to that expectation there that creating a Discord server is free and you, a person can have up to a hundred of them. Um, the expectation I like to tell people when they're like, oh, I'm gonna create a Discord is, you know, people are going to join, but they're going to join to get the information they need and ask questions. Um, chances are they will, that will not be their primary hangout spot. They're not going to chat all day. It is um, so they can have a quick line with you. And just remember that most people, a good portion of people do have more than one Discord server that they're in. And some people I know have them have a hundred and anytime they join a new one, they have to figure out which one they want to leave, even though they don't talk in any of them. Yeah, kind of echoing off um, what you were brought up, um, Ali, um, just making a Discord is not is not going to suffice. You have to put time. You have to put effort into it. Look into things. Learn um, learn markdown syntax. Um, those things can make um, discords look really look really solid. Um, there's so many bots out there that you can utilize. There's uh, Me6, which is a really popular bo um, bot that you can use as well, that can pull directly from your YouTube. It can pull directly from your Twitter account. So you have your direct um, uploads and updates being directly funneled into a central location for everybody to be able to view. Um, a lot of times when people join kind of like what Ali was saying over hundred servers, they don't want to get notifications every single time somebody sends a message. So a lot of times people do like hard mutes on servers. So it's learning how can you engage people in these servers. And as I mentioned with HSDUS, what they did yesterday was they pinged everybody and they said, Hey guys, we're doing a little discord only contest, um, post photos of your work from home pets and the one that gets the most reactions will be um, showcased and um, kind of um, flaunted on our Twitter account. And uh, and they got um, a pretty good amount of people. And they're, they're doing small little things like that to, to kind of build this idea of it's a community where people can hang out and have those normal conversations um, not, and not have it just be a strictly strict, strict place to get information, to get those guidelines, so on and so forth. So the more you build it up as a community that people can come in, hang out, and actually meet other people, the, mo the more activity you're going to see and you're going to find more people who are genuinely interested in in what you do and people who will become essentially like those advocates as well as um, like 
um, like with Dr. Lupo, he is, when you think St. Jude, you think Dr. Lupo. When you think Dr. Lupo, you think St. Jude. Um, you can find people like that. And that's just because they're, you can make this, these, those very strong and unique connections. Um, and that's where I would say Discord definitely has its strength. So speaking of Dr. Lupo, that kind of segues into my next question. Um, since I, I like to like bring it back to like the marketing terms most people can understand using the terms influencers, we talk about uh, macro, micro, and nano. And Dr. Lupo is a macro influencer, but where is most of the fundraising going to come from? We'll start with uh, you, Daniel, then Brian, then Ashley. Uh, it's definitely going to be your micro and nano influencers. Um, there's just, I mean, quantifiably, there's just so many more of them compared to the macro influencer that is going to pull in your your hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Um, but their influence is still impactful. I mean, uh, we've been able to see uh, nano influencers with, you know, 10, 15 viewers uh, be able to pull in thousands of dollars. <clears throat> and if you, you know, quantify that where you have hundreds of them activating and, you know, each one raises anywhere between a hundred to a thousand dollars. Now suddenly you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars raised for your uh, for your uh, for your cause. So uh, I would say that it's micro and nano primarily, uh, and it is nice to get the macro influencers on your side, um, and that'll take time and just a great mission statement and someone buying into your cause. Um, but I would say that focusing on your micro and nano influencers is probably the best way to go. Yeah, I would I would agree with that because if if you take a look at the successful campaigns, I mean. Right. And everyone into let's bring up Dr. Lupo again. Right. He's he's the, the face of Twitch and the face of charity fundraising on Twitch. Um, St. Jude has Dr. Lupo. They don't run St. Jude play Lupo. They run St. Jude play live. They include everyone and they build it on everyone, um, you know, and, and other successful organizations who are out in other fundraising spaces. You know, just because you have X celebrity, do you stop doing your run walks? You know, or, you know, do you only do the run walks that celebrities show up at? Um, you know, the only run walk I've ever done personally, there were no celebrities. It was just, you know, a bunch of normal people out there going out there and raising money. And that's, and that's, I think the core, uh, not only is it the best part of, of fundraising is getting everyone involved, but it is, uh, it's a core thing that you just can't ignore. You can't, you can't hyper-focus on one person because if that one person raises a hundred thousand dollars for you, is that enough? You know, a lot of these organizations that we see and a lot of organizations in the world have these really important causes that they are working for. And um, $100,000 is fantastic. You know, no one no one can ever turn away from that. But uh, sometimes it's not enough to, to move the needle alone. You have to do both. Um, and, and the more focus that you spend on those smaller guys, the more appealing it's going to be to those bigger guys. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of what Brian was saying is, um, you know, when when charities ask us, well, how do we get the big influencers? Um, a lot of times we say, well, are you kind of like what Brian was saying? Um, are you going to Usain Bolt for your run walks? Are you going to be hitting up Lance Armstrong for your cycling events? So the likelihood is going to be no. Um, so why is it that now because you're in this new space, you have this idea that you have to go after the top dogs in streaming? It's you don't cast a wide net and you'll be you'll be surprised how many people you get. Um, Daniel, maybe you can answer this. Um, how much, how much money was Dr. Lupo raising when he first started using Tiltify? Was it only in like in the few thousands? Uh, yeah, his first activation, I believe was Guardian Con three or four years ago. And I think he might've broken about 7,000. Yeah. So that's kind of also off of that. You don't know when these, um, macro or nano influencers could 
could hit their stride, hit their lightning in the bottle. And for them to still resonate with your organization and hold hold on to what that organization means to them from that first activation where they made $7,000 to where they're now raising um, $2.2 million in 24 hours, you don't know who's going to essentially hit that lightning, lightning in a bottle. So it's casting a wider net, being open and loving everyone and telling everybody like about that you love their content because you know we all love their content right um and then that, that's what it is it's better for you to cast a wider net get um get more people involved and not focus on the people that have already hit their lightning at a bottle focus on the people and helping them hit their lightning at a bottle yeah and to kind of add to that um some larger influencers um have been paid to do activations and they've done activations and done a couple hundred thousand but would you say that that activation caused that larger influencer who did that campaign to be a lifelong supporter compared to a smaller, um, just starting out influencer, an influencer that's got their footing but hasn't hit their lightning in the bottle and um, has you know committed to fundraising year over year? I think it's much more valuable to establish that relationship um, because when you're with a smaller influencer or even a bigger influencer, when they buy into uh, your mission statement, when they buy into what you're doing and when they become that essentially a lifelong uh, fundraiser supporter, uh, you're going to get much more out of them than you are that one time activation with this one uh, macro influencer. Uh, that's just how I feel about it. In the case of Lupo in particular, it's like, well, he's both. <laughs> he's he's a macro influencer, but he's also just bought into the St. Jude message so um, so heavily that he's willing to fundraise for them day in, day out. And he's gotten criticism, but every macro influencer gets criticism all the time where they're like, why are you only fundraising for St. Jude? And it's like, well, it's a really important cause to me, and this is why. And, you know, he's got his son now, and his son was born while he was a creator, right? Uh, you know, his son is, uh, I believe, four or five, and, you know, he started creating just before that. So uh, there's many members of his community that know his son uh, and know him ever since day one. So it, it, he looks at his son, he looks at St. Jude, and he looks at that and says to himself, I need to make sure there's a future without cancer so that my son can prosper, that can live without fear of this uh, horrible disease. Uh, and he's just bought into that. So in Lupo's case, he's both. Um, but I would still look at uh, you know, the majority of folks and the the smaller influencers typically uh, that just buy into your message. I think one thing too to kind of keep in mind is um, I believe it's uh, for FTC guidelines is influencers have to disclose when they're being paid. Um, so most most of the time, not all the time, when people see that somebody's getting paid to do a charity fundraising activation, they might come off as um, not genuine, not actually caring about the organization because they're just getting paid to do a fundraiser. Um, you know, like this, it's not the case all the time, but it can definitely kind of, I personally, I think it might actually rub some people the wrong way because it's, well, you're, you're accepting money for charity, um, so you're accepting money to do a um, charity activation. You don't actually care that this charity is actually making money. So it can come off as very um, ingenuine, but that's kind of like where I would say on that. Um, it's not always the case, but it sometimes can be the case. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would definitely agree with with both what Ashley and, and Casper said is that um, with the way FTC guidelines are, um, it's not like when you have a celebrity who comes in 
and and is at an event and doesn't necessarily have to disclose why they're at that event. When we're talking about social media influencers, if you're paying them a dollar, they have to disclose that this was a paid appearance. And and that will rub donors the wrong way. I, I've never heard of it in an instance where someone is, unlike what Ali said, where they're at an event or doing something and being paid to be there. But if they're at home getting paid to take part in an event, um, it, 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 it feels insincere on, on a level that almost isn't insulting to, to your potential donor base. It, it really, you know, I can't imagine personally, you know, in my putting my own shoe, you know, putting myself in the donor's shoes, I can't imagine donating to something that someone was paid for ahead of time. You know, it, it, it just feels weird to me. Yeah. Um, so on that note, with our last few minutes, let's kind of talk about some ways that nonprofits and charities can reward the influencers they work with without um, creating a quid pro quo or um, fundraise. And Brian, I'm just going to say that everyone's got a t-shirt now and it's not the same. I love um, it's my closet. Uh, the chair yes. behind Daniel. <laughs> um, so those are, those are some really, really big ones, but um, when it comes to t-shirts, in particularly, um, unless you're gonna create, in my opinion, unless you're gonna create one with a new design every year so they can kind of collect them all. Yeah. I, I would say actually kind of the coolest thing for me uh, when I was a really small influencer, I think one of the biggest uh, fundraising events I got to take part of aside from my own initial fundraising event was um, a, a tournament on a game called PUBG. And um, it, it was, an online tournament for child's play and, and, and it was all thrown together. And then uh, the charity followed me on Twitter and thanked me. And, and, you know, as someone who wasn't famous and I, you know, I'll never pretend I was, um, it, it really was this really cool experience that this official organization that does this amazing thing has taken notice of what I have done for them, no matter how small I might feel it may be. And that, that gave me a, a very strong sense of worth and value that, that made me happy and proud to do that for them. And, and it was the same with St. Jude. Those social interactions where they're following you on an, on a, an official account really mattered a lot. And, and getting the thank yous from the staff and, and working directly with the staff. If you have the ability and the, and the team that is capable of reaching out to people and thanking them for what they do, no matter how much they raise for you, whether it's, you know, a couple hundred or a couple thousand, uh, it, it really could go the long way. And you never know where someone is at in their life or their career that that might feel like a huge win. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's kind of like humanizing it. It's like, uh, we're not just fundraisers, we're human beings and being able to acknowledge that we're human beings is a really important thing for me. Um, <laughs> not to use my own branding in this, but uh, it's kind of like having Senpai notice you the moment that they notice you. It's just like, this is the most amazing feeling ever. If you've ever had a Senpai notice you, it's it, it it's really heartwarming. It makes you want to do more and it can create that snowball effect. Uh, I know that's happened with me with numerous organizations that I've supported over my 15 years of, of fundraising. And it's just, it's really, it's really nice. And the thing is, is that the only thing it costs you is your time, like taking a couple minutes. I have, I have charity executives, like really high up folks at these orgs. Um, they reach out to me because they heard that I had a concussion last week and they email me, they call me, uh, they sent me, uh, they sent me a gift basket actually the other day, just being like, I hope you feel better. And it's like, 
this just means the world to me because yeah, that gift basket costs something. But um, just the fact that they care and the fact that they are giving you a human element uh, is really important. Yeah, and one thing to kind of keep in mind too is that these influencers, this is their income. Um, when they are volunteering their time to fundraise for you, they are foregoing income that they could possibly be making. So um, really thanking them for their time means a lot because um, I know some people during, especially like the St. Jude um, uh, um, Prize Month, people will fundraise all month long and forego an entire month of possible income just to fundraise for this organization. So you you got to kind of understand is that this isn't, you know, your regular mom and dad that are coming home from an eight hour work shift and are, you know, just pushing out a link for a fundraiser. These are people who very well likely this is their well-being. This is their livelihood. And especially now during the pandemic, this means more than anything because people are, are, you know, if they did have a full time job, they're more more than likely either laid off or working from home. Um, so people are foregoing their income to raise for you. Um, and that's kind of um, the big thing and kind of echoing what Daniel said, um, really making that human connection. Um, you know, I have a really great relationship with um, Carla from No Kid Hungry. And um, she knew that I was kind of going through a, going through a rough, rough patch personally. And she, you know, she reached out, you know, offered up some resources. And then she sent me one of her favorite books that she's ever read that kind of she said, this book helped me get through one of the roughest times in my life. And that just really resonated and connected with me. At TwitchCon, she gave me another book. She, she knows that I love sloths. Sloths are my favorite animals. And she gave me um, a meditation book about sloths. And I just love it. And she sent me something for my birthday as well. And it's just one of those things where it's like, when you make those personal connections, it makes the the cause and the organization more personal to you. And it's not necessarily um, influencers going, oh, I'm getting free stuff. They're, they're going, wow, like Casper said, like these people they paid attention. They're, they're aware that this is happening. Um, like St. Jude tweeted out when it was my birthday. They tweeted to me, hey, happy birthday. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it's just one of those, those small things. It, it's, it means a lot because it makes makes you feel like you're, you're a person to these organizations and not a entry on an, on an Excel sheet. And that's what I think can really make the difference in um, creating those unique connections with influencers. Awesome. Thanks so much. I would, I would just kind of add to that. If you haven't read the book, The Five Love Languages, the very first edition, not all of the other editions, you should really read that because it will help you with all relationships in life, professional too, when working with influencers, um, understanding their love language. Like you can straight up ask people, you know, how would you like me to show appreciation to you? Would it like, would you like me to say thank you when you, when you tweet that you're fundraising for us? Would you like a handwritten note? Um, you know, really letting, sometimes just letting people tell you and of course if their their ask is a little ridiculous you know take it with a grain of salt um but really really thinking about it um carla is a really really great example carla and i we share pictures of food um and she's really dived into the into this space and um you know it, it's really about that authenticity um but kind of coming to a close here let's uh go around and, you know, give out your information on how people can contact you. And um, Daniel, you go last. And I want you to give your your short Tiltify elevator pitch and how charities can sign up on Tiltify. Uh, sure, I'll go first. Uh, you can email me at brian at tiltify.com. Uh, if you have any questions charity related or, or any otherwise, I'm, I'm happy to help. 
that's where I am most of the day is in that email. <laughs> um, uh, I don't really use social media anymore. I, I, I walked away from most things and to focus on my my work and my my life. So um, the best place to reach me is definitely through email. Um, once again, guys, I'm Ashley. You can reach me at Ashley at Tiltify.com. Um, I'm very active on social. Um, my Twitter handle is Ashleen. It's A-S-H-L five E's A-N. People hate me for it still every day. Um, but if you, if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to always reach out to me on there. Um, email would be one of the better places at to actually get a hold of me. But if you definitely want to just kind of engage um, in day-to-day content right now, it's all Animal Crossing. I do apologize. Um, actually, no, I don't apologize at all. But um, that's how you can get a hold of uh, me for any questions, especially if you guys have any questions about Discord. I am kind of our resident Discord wizard, as they called me in meetings before. So if you guys have any questions about any of that, feel free to reach out to me. Cool. Uh, and my name is Daniel I. Casper Bong. You can reach out at icasper at siltify.com. It's my username. Fun fact, I'm the only person that uses their username, uh, their wizard name uh, for emails. Uh, when they asked me four years ago, I felt, you know, I'm going to be the community side. So it might as well be my username. And no one even cares about my real name, really. Uh, but I think I'm going to actually make them make it so that Daniel at Tiltify.com also goes to me. Um, anyways, uh, you can reach out there. I'm also on social media uh, all the time. Uh, it's part of my other job, too. Anyways, so uh, I cast for uh, pretty much on every platform there. Uh, in terms of elevator pitch, I mean, Tiltify is the leading platform, uh, the leading platform that allows fundraisers to succeed via our engagement tools and features. Uh, if you are a cause that wants to sign up for Tiltify, just go to causes.tiltify.com or cause, yeah, causes.tiltify.com, uh, sign up, and uh, once we verify your charity, we will reach out. Either Brian or Ashley will reach out, and we'll, we'll get you onboarded. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm Alyssa Alleycat Sweetman. Um, and of course, you can find me at charity at twitch.tv or Alleycat anywhere and everywhere. I also use my internet wizard name uh, for everything. So um, thank you again for everyone for, you know, tuning in. And thank you, uh, Daniel, Brian, Ashley, for, for coming in. Of course. Thank you for having yeah, us. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And if you enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues. You can find Influencer Fundraising, the podcast, on Spotify, Overcast, and many more. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have an idea for an episode, please head to influencerfundraising.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and stay curious.